Blog Talk Radio. When I was five, hired out to watch a baby And he beat me when he cried I consider that too much of a price Even though I'm thick skin, some of the scars Stay with me for life I ain't never been the type to spin around to the other chief Putting up a fight to me and my people's all are free Four brothers, four sisters, thick family I'm the fourth child, you following mathematically God's in my veins, I can feel it in my soul Three older sisters never seen again when they were sold When they came from my brother, my mom's made them a promise Whoever tried to take them, she split and open your noggin Mommy was a rider Spiritual advisor Security provider That's why I'm alive wire When they ain't take my brother I felt the power inside of me Influenced by the moment I'll never settle for slavery Heavy metal weight In my head as a teen Now with seizures Dr. Lepsy And strange dreams From the tribe of Asante Through grandma Modesty Being free Holding my own Just a part of me You thinking about coming after me Better bring your faculty 20 miles away Before you even know what's happening Cargo on my train And it's Something like traffic I'm Harry the conductor I ain't never lost a passenger I'm plotting on my escaping I'm married and feeling patient I'm outie with no debating You silly for conversating I'm breaking and while you waiting And I'll make it I'll be sure to get the safest route to travel And be back for you with base September 17th 1849 Me and my brothers Henry and Ben Said it's mine So we left for Maryland Headed towards freedom land But they feet chill lead up So we turned around and went Back to the owners Believe me I didn't wanna Had I knew my brothers were scared with in the bottom A little while later Man I ran away again But this time Straight dolo fan Backs to the wind In the middle of the night In the winter In the cold I was navigating On the underground railroad Nah It ain't a literal train It's a form of resistance Just with the railroad theme So a station's a safe house Where the runaways go And the runaway slaves Are considered cargo The person who hit them Considered a station master And the stockholders The one who will put the cash up Me I'm the conductor I transported the cargo routes that I took remain secret I took an old boss of my train you get on There is no rebelling grown man said he turning back and I had to tell him Fam, why you had me bring the metal out? Cock it back, point it at your head and bring the devil out There's no going back, besides you gonna snitch And I'll kill you where you stand before you sing behind the whip Running from slave catches, a bounty on my head Until my whole fam free, I don't really care Had a 10 year span with 19 or so trips I done free so many slaves they calling me Moses during the Civil War Because of my skills, I became the first woman to lead an armed assault I am Harriet Tubman, you need to fall back a conductor I never ran my train off the track You thinking about coming after me, better bring your faculty 20 miles away before you even know what's happening Cargo on my train and it's something like traffic I'm Harriet the conductor, I ain't never lost a passenger Good afternoon, everyone. Harriet Tugman. That is an effort by a brother in New York to help educate black children, but all children, on 
African-American history, which happens to be a part of American history. And he realized that children seem to respond quite well to rap and what people today call hip-hop. And he decided to put some, drop some lyrics with some history and see if that would connect with the children and younger people. Maybe I'm only young at heart, but it's sure enough connected with me, and I hope it connected with you. Well, welcome to Our Own Voices Live. I am your host, Rodney Smith. My co-host is Mrs. Angela Thomas. She is out and about today, and if possible, she's going to try to call in. Uh, The topic of our show today is dealing with some things that have really been in the news this week, as most of our topics are. And simply, we're going to talk about a holiday, uh, at least a holiday to me, called Juneteenth, which is actually on June 19th. Also want to talk about the McKinney Pool Party incident with Corporal, uh, oh, I can't, with a police officer there who was a corporal and actually was the uh, lead officer on the scene. We're going to talk about that today. Also, something else that I have to admit, when Angela called me to tell me about it, I had read about it, but wow, there is a woman in president of a local NAACP office who is, well, I don't know if charged is the right word, but is alleged to represent herself as a black woman even though both parents are Caucasian slash white American. So our topics today is Juneteenth, the McKinney Pool Party, and a white woman who is the president of a local NAACP chapter posing as black. I hope that you all will call in and share your opinion on this one. And you can do so by dialing 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600, because I really would love to hear what your take is on this one. Uh, just as a reminder, not only is June uh, Black Music Month, but it is also National Caribbean American Heritage Month. And Many of you may recognize Black History Month, and even when I've lectured in some college classrooms, oftentimes the resistance to Black History Month is that other peoples and groups are not recognized. And I shared with them that there are a lot of recognition for different groups. You just have to look for it. So each month I try to feature at least or two, sometimes more, that's being recognized in that particular month. So June is Black Music Month, but it is also Caribbean uh, American Heritage Month. Uh, Now, the Caribbean is an island. It has its own tectonic plate, but it's also part, some people say, of the North American plate and is actually considered a part of North America. Uh, the Caribbean, named after the Carib people, uh, were an indigenous population of people in what we call the Caribbean island, 
who had their own language, which the last known speaker of the original language passed away in 1920. So about 95 years ago, the last vestiges of the original Carib people's language disappeared. And what a scene that is. Hopefully we can find something of it and resurrect it. But that just goes to show, if you don't practice it, what's the old, what's the old phrase? Use it or lose it? Well, that is the case. I actually had a conversation with a woman from Puerto Rico, who, which is a part of the Caribbean. And the Carib people also migrated to Puerto Rico. So that would show that Puerto Ricans are descendants of the Carib people. The Carib people are a group of people believed to have come up from South America are believed to be part of another group of people initially, it was thought that they were somehow associated with Native Americans, as we call them today. But in actuality, we found that Native Americans who were Asiatic people came here about roughly 12,000 years ago. Well, there's been recent evidence produced that says that people from the Caribbean people from South America actually are descendants from Australian people who migrated out of Africa. And we know that there are Aborigines in Australia. The Aborigines in Australia are directly related to the Caribbean people, as well as to Puerto Rican people, which shows that the African diaspora may be broader than what we think. It is a matter of who do we include or exclude in our groups. So there is your information, a little history for you for the month of June as we start the show, and a little bit about Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. America is the greatest country on earth due to its cultural diversity and not in spite of it. Our mission is to help bridge the cultural and ethnic divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us. And one of the ways we do it is with shows like Our Own Voices Live. We also have Our Own Voices, the print as well as digital magazine that started it all that talks about cultures just as we did today. I truly believe that the reason why we have so much unrest in America today associated on race is because of the lack of and in some instances the miseducation of, of our people as well as others. Because if you miseducate us and you don't show how we played a part throughout the history of this world as well as the founding of this country and this region of the world, then it shows that we have had little value in the creation of anything. But then if you tell everyone else that they created everything and that they were the originals and that everything came from them, then there is a level of superiority, some would also may even call it supremacy, that develops in their attitudes about themselves as well as how they see others as less than. This piece is one of the most important things that we can do to help stem the tide of rising racism and racist as well as generally biased incidents 
that's occurring in America today, as demonstrated by another topic that we're going to cover a little bit later and that we talked about quite extensively at the gathering yesterday at the Westside Bistro inside of Nevada Park, located at 710 West Lake Mead, is the, the, uh, a white woman who is the president of a local NAACP chapter posing as black. This is a very deep conversation. It's going to take us into, well, what is black? And how much black blood is needed to be considered black? This goes into the transracial, biracial, multicultural movement that is rising up in this country. What is a black person? Now, I believe I know, but do you know? And can she actually be black? And then another part of that is, why is it that black women are in such a rage over this incident? Now, I'm not saying that black men aren't, but I can tell you in my circle, and I'm kind of curious about yours, women who have sort of led this charge and a general discussion. And boy, did we have a discussion yesterday. Very informative. And what also made it a good conversation is that we had someone representing the millennial generation to chime in. And it was amazing in not only the difference that a millennial viewed this, but also in the difference of one family member to the next. In this case, a grandmother, a mother, and a grandchild. Fascinating. Well, we're going to delve into all of those things shortly, but of course, this show could not exist if it wasn't for my co-host with the mostest, Mrs. Angela Thomas. Welcome to the show, hey, Angela. How are you today? I'm good. Wow. Two powerful topics today. Um, this is going to be interesting. So which one? I don't want to waste any time. Which one you want to get into first? <laughs> well, I tell you what, Angela. I know you're chomping at the bits to do this. But before we dive into it, I do want to talk about just a little bit about Juneteenth and its relevance to uh, your upcoming trip. And this ties into culture and black America that will lead us into this uh, situation with the NAACP and McKinney. Sure. I'm going to Austin, Texas. Yep. On Juneteenth, and it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing what that community what that community does. To uh, I'll be there for a conference, but um, I'm looking forward to you know, of course, seeing the city. This is my first trip to Austin, Texas, so it's the uh, state's capital, and I'm looking forward to seeing what their observation of Juneteenth will be. Now, for those who may not be aware of Juneteenth, which I know it may not be the most well-known holiday or celebration in America, but I can tell you down in Texas and Louisiana, they may see it differently. Uh, Juneteenth is really when the blacks in Texas, the Galveston, Austin area, were notified Mm -hmm. that they were free. Now, some may say, okay, well, they were notified in other places. What's significant about it? Well, they weren't notified 
and this may be the significance that you're looking for, until June of 1865, and specifically mm-hmm. June 19th of 1865. Now, the Civil War was over on, I believe it was April, uh, somebody fact check me, I believe it was April 13th of 1865. So let's add it up. Two months later, the folks that were enslaved in Texas were not notified that they were free. But if we go back even further to the signing and the effective date of the Emancipation Proclamation, which the effective date was uh, January 1, 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation had happened roughly two and a half years prior to the folks in the Africans who were enslaved in Texas found out that they were free. As a matter of fact, unless they escaped and went to a place that uh, they could get this information, there was no way of, they could escape and still hang out in Texas thinking that they were enslaved. I thought that this was fascinating that it took this long to notify them. Now, you know, I have to take into consideration that uh, there wasn't telecommunications as we know it today. There was no cable, <laughs> there was no satellite TV, and there was no, no internet. No mass communication going on. So, uh, for those of you who say, well, wow, what took so long? Well, let me tell you, when you're riding on a horse to get from place to place, you know, it you can only ride close to the day. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's one reason. Now, there's some conspiracy theorists out there to say, well, they were just in no hurry to tell the people in Texas. And maybe there is some truth to that. Maybe there isn't. But that just gives you another perspective. Just a little bit more about Juneteenth. Is Juneteenth otherwise known as Juneteenth Independence Day, uh, Emancipation Day, as well as Freedom Day? And right here locally in Las Vegas with many of our residents, uh, I call them the indigenous population of blacks here originated from the Louisiana, Mississippi, uh, Arkansas area who are a little more well aware of Juneteenth than maybe people from up north like New York and, and some other places. Angela, you from the side. Did they celebrate Juneteenth up there? Sure do. Absolutely. We have <clears throat> several um, Kwanzaa and Juneteenth uh, events that happen in, in Chicago in observance. We have the DeSabo um, Museum, which is our black his, which is our most prominent black history um, museum in the museum um, complex that we have in Chicago, and they do a very big um, celebration and observance well, of Juneteenth. Growing up in North Carolina, I knew absolutely nothing of Juneteenth. Living in New York, there was no reference to Juneteenth in the 60s and 70s, as I recall. And it was a relatively new thing to talk about Juneteenth and to even celebrate it. Uh, Juneteenth, as I said, originated in Texas. And it basically deals with uh, General Granger, who came into Texas in 1865, actually on June 18th, and got a hotel room and then I stood on the balcony June 19th 
to inform not only the residents but also those who were enslaved that the they were that they were free and the total emancipation of the slaves by reading general order general order number 3 and there was approximately 250,000 slaves in Texas so that was considering that the United States only had so many millions of people 250,000 people is a sizable number of any one state and uh, for them to have their analysis. So what I want to do is I want to read, because it's short, I want to read the actual general order number three that General Granger read that day, and it goes as this. The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves, and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor. The freed men are advised to remain, to remain quietly at their present home and work for wages. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military posts, and they will not be supported in idleness either there or elsewhere. That was general order number three that announced, officially announced the freedom of Africans who were enslaved in the state of Texas. In eight, June 19, 1865, with this Friday being June 19th. And for those of you who live in Las Vegas, the Westside Bistro inside of Nevada Pardon is located at 710 West Lake Mead Boulevard, is going to have a cultural awareness meal uh, to recognize Juneteenth this Friday. Hope I'll see you all there. And so, because of that, there was rejoicing in Galveston. Uh, the word spread to the rest of Texas, and people called it Freedom Day or Emancipation Day, and that started the celebration of Juneteenth. I hope that you all will look it up a little bit more. I put a link on the Facebook page for you guys to delve into it further, and let's talk about it because the impact of slavery still affects us today. And maybe it's not the impact of slavery. Maybe it's the Civil War that has a greater impact, as in dividing us between two different groups. And we can still see the impacts of that divide. And I believe it's a mental divide. In the situations that happened in McKinney, uh, Texas, at the pool party, and just maybe... What is a black person? How do you identify as black, especially in a time where the Census Bureau has said that you can self-identify as whoever you want to be? This is going to be a fascinating discussion. Angela, this was a trend uh, setter leading the trend in social media yesterday. I believe it's still high yeah, up I think there. it took over Twitter yesterday. I think Twitter actually blew up. This was bigger than Kim Kardashian's behind on the cover of that magazine. 
this was everywhere. I, I didn't go anywhere. I I didn't go anywhere yesterday where this didn't come up. Everywhere I went, this was the talk, and I I've I have laughed. I have pondered. I have scratched my head. The memes. I mean, we could do an hour television show on the memes alone. I just saw one that made me burst out loud laughing. There's a picture of Rachel, and there's a picture of Raven Simone, and there's a guy on top, and 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 it. The caption said something like, uh, "We're our first round draft pick to the black community is Rachel. We're trading Raven Simone for Rachel. Thank you very much." <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. The Internet is gone crazy with this discussion. And, and you know, irregardless of where where you fall in your opinion about this particular situation, uh, no one can deny that race is still a big, important issue here in America. Anyone that thought we were living in a post-racial society, this is emphatic. Emphatical proof, we we are not in post-racial. We are still very concerned with the race issue here in America. And it's still dividing us. It's still challenging us to um, come to grips with some things. You know, we tend not to really talk about race and when we do, it's because there's some egregious act that has happened, at least egregious as black people see it, oftentimes mm-hmm. white people not seeing it the same. And even this situation with, you know, there used to be the one-drop rule, so to speak. If you had one drop of black blood in you, you were black and you could be enslaved. But things have changed. And which begs the question, okay, well, what makes up a black person? Well, um, before we go into that aspect of of the conversation, I want to read, because she has Rachel um, Dozel. Is that her last name? Is that how you say it? Sounds good to me. Dozel. Okay. Um, She has made a statement. Uh, on local CBS affiliate KREM Channel 2 News Friday evening. Uh, she made, um, She said, yes, I consider myself to be black, and that's because, oh, wait a minute, that's the, the video quote, but she actually said, I actually don't like the term African American. I prefer the term black. Um, and yes, she considers herself black, and she also said to those who have a problem she don't give to she don't give a s h i t what you think oh wow, and um, she said for those who are challenged to you know. She doesn't she doesn't uh want to I want to get it right. It's more important to me to clarify that with uh, to clarify that with the black community 
and my executive board than it is to explain it to a community that I, quite frankly, don't think really understands the definition of race and ethnicity. Uh, she encouraged critics to maybe think about W.E.B. Du Bois that said, race is usually biological, always cultural. Angela, I That's guess I would statement. have to ask her to, you know, to elaborate even more on on that. Uh, even the even the quote of uh, Dr. Du Bois, just what what does that mean? And what context was Du Bois saying it in? Um, the fact that he referenced bio, biology first and culture. Second, leads me to my point, if your mother and father are of one ethnic group, I mean, this is pretty clear, and we live in a in a gray world these days, it seems. If you think and feel a certain way, it suddenly becomes fact. I have a problem with that. Two plus two is four all day, and I don't care if you think and feel that two plus two is somehow six. The fact remains, two plus two is four. And you can think and feel about six how you will, but two plus two is four. <laughs> you, don't, don't, don't be messing with two plus two. Well, you know, that brings up an interesting <laughs> concept to me because if we look at this from a social science aspect, and, and I wish I had my, my good friend uh, Dr. Thomas to elaborate on this for us, uh, but race is, you know, there's a human race, right? That's at the top, and then we've subdivided it into, well, not we, but the powers at, who at the moment, at the time, who were Europeans, and they did it for uh, commerce, greed, call it what you will, to figure out a way how they could subjugate another people and not seem like they were violating that people, partially by turning them into something less than who they were. And so we know that there is no 100% African in African American in this country. I think DNA geneticist says that just most uh, percentage of black person that has that's actually African is 86%. So this delves into the area are are we saying that African Americans are no, it different doesn't, from Africans? No, I, for me, it doesn't. For me, I'm sorry, I, I got to cut you off, my friend. Uh, every day, wherever I go, I'm black. There's no question about it. And I'm tired of people mincing uh, rather obvious things in, in, in this world. Um, I, You know, I, I, I just... I disagree with this. For some of us, it is not a question what your what your what your race and ethnic um, makeup is, and it's no question. What was the the statistic you you put at the table yesterday? Eighty eight percent of of white people feel or view African Americans in a derogatory way. <sighs> this racial situation, I. 
what I finally surmised, and thanks to the young millennial woman that was at the table yesterday, that really took some of the sting out of it for me. And her perspective was was it, it helped to enlighten me. And and sometimes we have to, you know, um, let the young folks have the floor and help us to at least put some other thought process to this. Uh, the race issue, you see, I just jumped all over you. I just said, no, Rodney, I don't think so. I, 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 86% is pretty pretty black. <laughs> and I, I don't understand why we're going to now, be, it seems like we're going to now become a, a community, a society, a, a country that questions everything. Some things just are. You are black. She is white. If you have two black parents, you are black. If you have two white parents, you are white. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't socialize a different way. That doesn't mean that your experience as a human being is lessened somehow, but it still also does not change the fact that a leopard never changes its spots. You cannot call a leopard a zebra. It it just don't work. And I hate to bring the animal analogies into this. Maybe I should get another analogy. I'm going back to the numbers. Two plus two is four, Rodney. And you can you can feel how you want, but it'll never be six. Well, I, part of what makes this so fascinating is that we're talking about an artificial construct that we've made up. And, you know, often we'll hear people say, well, wait a minute, there's only one race, and that's the human race. But we do know that in practicality or in actuality that we have divided that up into uh, what we call racial groups, and those racial groups are designated by color. So there's white, there's black, uh, but... Then all of a sudden, we go from white to black to, oh, there's Asian. Well, wait a minute. I thought we were doing it by color. Are we now doing it by region? But already at the very beginning of the discussion, we go, there's white, black, and then there's Asian. Well, is there is there anyone else besides white, black, and Asian? And why is it that? Asians are Asian, but we're black and there's white. Um, all I know is you are going to be the racial makeup, the ethnic makeup of whatever your birth parents were. And that is the bottom line. Um, all the social constructing of race and racial issues, that's fine and well, but there are some things about the race issue that can't be disputed. Uh, if you have two white parents, you are a white child. Now, you could come up in all of the 
urban culture you want and totally identify it, totally understand it, not need one lick of translation for a, a Frankie Beverly song, Joy and Pain. You know the next line. It's like sunshine and rain. You came up around that, but that's your experience. That's not your ethnic that's not your ethnic makeup. And I think where people are having a problem with Rachel and and this issue that she's bringing forward is that she lied about it. She lied about so many other things. She lied on her uh college paperwork according to reports. She lied on the college paperwork and that no doubt pushed out a deserving African-American student. She lied and held up a picture and said that a man, a black man who's a co-worker is her dad. And he couldn't be here today because he died of cancer. And here's your white mother and white father sitting here perfectly healthy and saying, I'm sorry, y'all, that's my child, Rachel, she... I don't know what she's going through, but we are her parents. Here's her birth certificate, and here's our identification. This is our child. She is not a black woman. I think people have a problem with the lies. We have a problem with a number of things, but I think the biggest thing here is the lies. Stop. Stop. Stop that part. Don't don't lie about it. You can identify with our culture. Heck, the whole world identifies with our culture, Rodney. Without African Americans, America would have no culture. When we leave these U.S. borders, what are all of the rest of the world playing? Our music. Music that emanated from our community, from our experience. And that's what burns me as an as a African American woman, as a black woman, I don't think she has the right to to talk about she she prefers black over African American. Who are you? <laughs> you ain't black. You are not a black woman. Get over it. Accept it. It's not saying she could be president of the Spokane, Washington chapter without making the claim that she is black because she identifies with things that she think we do in our community. I mean, I don't know what this woman's experience is, but I promise you there is no way that a white person is truly going to understand and know what it is to be a black person in the world. But especially in America, you are never, I don't care how much you empathize with it, I appreciate it, but you will never know what it is to never be able to take this off and sit it on the dresser somewhere. Hmm. So, wow, you, you said a whole bunch of things there. Is the issue that she is a woman and is perpetrating being a black woman and therefore speaking as a black woman, which may represent the needs and desires of black people and black women? Or is it just in general the fact that she was she has two biological Caucasian parents, period? 
don't have no problem with Rachel and her background and her being the the chapter president of the NAACP. NAACP was founded by black and white folks. Uh, that's not the issue. The issue is that she is pretending, trying on being a black woman. And I, I try as they might, but a warrior is never going to be a lion. And he could know all the things about a lion. He could look at all of the data on a lion. He could live in a lion's environment. He could do all of the things that a lion does, but you are still a warrior. Why I keep going to the animal analogies? I don't know. Look, two plus two is four, Rodney, and that's it. <laughs> well, it just as, you all said, as, you're, as you're hearing, this tends to be a highly emotional subject, and one of the things that I Is it emotional? Told, is this for real a fact? I, I, okay, I'm impassioned about this, uh, and I totally see. Huh? Can it be both? What? Can it be? You said it, it's just it's a fact, but can it also be a fact that is emotional? Uh, you know, I yeah, I guess, I guess, and and it does. Um, I I'm just interested in the explanation that she thinks she can, uh, that that she wants to present to the black community. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure there is no set of circumstances that she could come up with that justifies lying on your college application and saying that you're one thing and benefiting from that, which means that the resources that were there to benefit a certain group, somebody in that group was left out because she was included. There's nothing she can say to justify that. Okay, well, let's talk about something that did happen in 2010, and that was the changing of our census and how uh, information is collected and what people can say on the census document and the questionnaire. And one of those things that we were told about by one of the census workers in our local area, Ms. Diane Ireland, was that a new change had taken place which says that you can self-identify as whoever you believe or feel that you are. So even though Rodney, you may I'm have... I'm going to stick up. Yes, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, man. I could put on I'll the sense that quick. I'm a zebra, but I'm still a black woman. Well, it did say that you could you could be biracial, you could be some other multicultural, you, if you were biologically uh, or if you had two black parents, you could say that you were Puerto Rican. If you were, uh, had two white parents, you could say that you were I black. mean, clearly, I mean, my, other, my, my running joke is I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm Dominican and Filipino, man. What? Yeah, you could say you anything, but the fact remains my parents are two Black people, hard-working black people from Chicago. That's it. Sometimes that, it ain't glamorous. That's your belief. But that's your belief. 
and we know that the government, the United States government, through the Census Bureau, has said that people can self-identify. And I would like to know what her census data was, if there was a way to find that out. But it says that you can self-identify as whoever you want to be, very similarly to as as our government has now said, that you can self-identify with whatever gender status you want to be. And is this an extension (laughs) of gender status now into uh, racial status? Uh, Well, I'll say this, Rodney. 347-826-9600. As Andrew and I sort of bat this ball back and forth, I would love to hear what you all think about this woman in, I believe it's Spokane, Washington, president of the mm-hmm. local NAACP branch uh, that teaches African-American, I believe African-American studies, teaches dance. She's been appointed uh, by the mayor uh, on one of the uh, police oversight boards. She has quite an extensive career. Kind of interested to know if there's anything else on her resume that may not be accurate or may, well, just would like to know more information about it to see if 2 plus 2 adds up to 4 there as well. But 347-826-9600, press option 1, and that will let me know that you would like to speak and not just and you're not just listening in. Because this is fascinating, I'm and I would love to. to know how other people view this. Go ahead, Angie. I want to bring up two points um, from the, the gathering yesterday. Uh, one point, I asked the question, is this the manifestation of 20-plus years of hip-hop being consumed in suburban America? Are we now starting to see individuals, because of their deep immersion into urban culture through the uh, vehicle of music, hip-hop in particular, are we going to start to see more white um, Americans um, identify as black. Uh, Tom Hanks' son was in the news this week as well, last week and this week. Last couple of weeks he's been in the news because he wants to use, he's a rapper, and he wants to use the N-word. And he wants it to be understood that it is the social, it is a term, you know, a term used um, to paint in his chosen art form, number one, and that he and his friends, many are black, they speak this way to one another. And he should not be uh, restricted as an artist and as an American with the freedom of speech. Uh, He shouldn't be uh, restricted to not being able to use that solely because he's a white male. So is this what... Uh, we are uh, we ha- we have you know encouraged and 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 brought forward and I I would like to say I think on the t- a lot of people are upset about her being the chapter president of the NAACP. I said to everyone that brought that up to me, are you a member of the NAACP? All of them said no. Um, if you're not a member, you can't pick that bone. Because if she's a member and she qualifies to be a part of the executive board through membership and activity, 
Who am I to stop her? I'm not there doing the work. She is. Someone has to do the advocacy and the work uh, that is civil rights. We so need it in the world right now. So if she's the one there doing it and she's doing an excellent job, why would we not want her there doing that job? And her being a black woman is not a requirement to hold that position. As I said before, my issue is the lies, and my issue is if she did, as reported, put on college applications and job applications that she's African-American, that's the issue. Um, And if she put on a college application and received dollars um, for her education, she should, in my opinion, repay that money because that took away resources from someone who really truly needed it and who really truly qualified. And that has nothing to so, do with her academics or or her as a human being, but if you if I go and put on a piece of paper that I'm a white female and try to tap into white female scholarship dollars, <laughs> I I would never be able to do it. Well, I I could if I went through extensive um, cosmetic surgery or makeup. I probably could do some stuff, but, I mean, that's going far. But, you know, I guess it would be wrong. It would be fraudulent, though. So if – so, okay, let's get to the fraudulent part. Uh, And as as I mentioned at the table yesterday, because we had a New Yorker at the table – that in New York we might say somebody was fronting because they were perpetrating something that isn't true. In this case, someone saying that they're black, in actuality they're, they're white, they're Caucasian. But we ha- I do believe that we have to look at our government, which has opened the door legally for this with the Census Department by saying that people can self-identify as Whatever they think that they are, whether it's well, their I also gender to... choice, mm-hmm. whether it's gender choice, race, or ethnicity. Oh, what so have the you? government has, yeah, if the government has said that we're free to do that, then if you do it, how is that? Well, as like I said, how is that front? Well, you know what, Rodney, I, that's a good question. Uh, my good que- my question was also sort of along that lines, and it speaks to am I my brother and sister's keeper? Rachel to me couldn't have pulled off this fraud by herself. The person that does her hair culpable. The man, the black man that married her culpable. Um, other people in her environment that knew what was going on, not holding her feet to the fire and saying, hey, you shouldn't put that like that. You are not that. Are are we at a time now where we can't hold each other accountable on stuff? If you know that I'm running around here, Rodney, presenting myself as um, hmm, I don't know, the number six. And you know I, I'm the number two. 
what what are we supposed to do? I think those persons are culpable also in this getting out of hand. It clearly got out of hand. I looked at it from her parents' perspective. What do you do uh, with a child? In the case, you know, she isn't a child. She's a grown woman, but this is forever your child. And and you know she, she or he is going out and pre, falsely presenting something as critical as um, ethnic <laughs> makeup and going so far as to craft and cult- cultivate their whole lifestyle around this. Do you... Is this, you know, a lot of people brought up mental illness yesterday. Is this mental illness? Are we seeing mental illness here? At, at the best term I could come up with would maybe viewing this from the lens of mental illness is body dysmorphia. There are people with body dysmorphia that, of course, see themselves, you know, we always hear about the classic, I see myself fatter than I actually am. But could it be that some people could see themselves a whole nother complexion? Well, I think that we have to go back to the fact that, you know, we're saying mental, or some people have suggested mental illness. But how can it be mental illness if the established, the establishment, the government, has said that you can self-identify as whoever you feel or whatever that you feel you are. And as we speak about the role of parents and culpability, does that mean that if there is a man who is dressed as a woman and acts and believes that they are a woman, is it the right or responsibility of parents, friends, coworkers, other associates, to blast to the world that, oh, no, that's not really a woman, that's a man. How how do we deal with these types of things? That's my question. How do we deal with it? Well, the government says you can identify as whoever you want to be. And if Mm -hmm. you allow one group to self-identify, but then you don't allow another group to self-identify, then is that showing bias towards one group or the other? I think that these are important questions that we have to come to terms with. Can we persecute one person for self-identifying as one thing but then say it's okay for another group or another individual to self-identify as something that they aren't biologically? or as we determine biology. I think that this is a fascinating discussion because it really elevates who we are and who has the the right to say who we are. Does anyone have a greater right to say who I am besides me? Or is it up to someone else to determine who I am? 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600. I would love hear what others have to say. You can press 1 on your keypad, and that will uh, notify me that you would like to speak to us instead of listen. Uh, 
I see that you are listening out there, and I appreciate that. I'm not sure if you can hold in your tongue, but this is a great one to let it go. And how, how are we as a society, Rodney? I think this is a question that we that this brings up. How are we as a society going to function, highly function, with, in the global environment that that we're in, with challenges like this of you know how you identify and how you identify directly impacting what you do where you're educated what you do for a living where you get your education the type of education you get the type of education you give uh Rachel if there was ever a woman deserving of a reality show she might be a, a candidate because it does open up a fascinating uh, can of worms on all levels because all of us have now have all of these questions. Well, you know, I, so many people were like, I'm not offended unless she did this, this, and this. So what I noticed was that a lot of people cared about if this is truly how she's living 24-7, then maybe I would be okay with her, you know, moving through life like this. She's obviously doing fine. She's teaching. I mean, she's doing more uh, <laughs> more than most black folks I know on, on being well, black. Talk, she's teaching blackness. Well, let's talk about she, that. <laughs> she's teaching blackness. She's advocating. Her work is advocacy for fairness and, and justice for all people, but particularly black people. She's educated uh, from a black institution. I I don't know. If we're going to well, be up, I will say this, if we're going to be, uh, it brought up Sam for me, Rodney. It brought up Sam Smith, our, our um, great mentor that we lost uh, this year. Um, Sam would have found this fascinating because, you know, you've heard us say on the airwaves many times that Sam was a big advocate for the NAACP, so much so we were number one in new membership for years because Sam was so emphatic on, hello, how you doing? What's your name? Where are your people from? Are you a member of the NAACP? Why? Why not? And here's a form right here. Give me a check for $15. He signed up more people from doing that than anybody in the country that was doing it for years. And, you know, as people were coming to me yesterday with, with a problem with her being a head, the head of the NAACP, I, I asked them, are you a member of the NAACP? If you're not a member, don't talk to me about the NAACP until you become a member. If the end of, and you know a lot of people went into, well, I am not a member of the NAACP, but I don't think it's right. And you know, I look, I just shut up. I don't want to hear it. If you're not a member, shut up. Don't don't talk to me about the membership of the NAACP because they need your help. It's not. It's not reflecting what you want it to reflect because you're not there. 
Well, she is there. And right, and black. she is. Uh, she, you know, her. she went to a black college, which is more than most black people. Most black people don't go to black colleges or universities. She did. Uh, she teaches African-American studies or, or something of a similar title. She has been involved in various civil rights activities. As you mentioned, she's been, obviously been involved with our largest and most prestigious civil rights organization, NAACP, even up to the point where her peers elevated her to the position of president of that particular mm-hmm. organization. Uh, you have I to be elected to that position. Absolutely. That's right. I, I, I shared a story yesterday of when I was in charge of a black organization to perpetuate blackness. And I couldn't find a black person that wanted to assume the position of president. And the only person that was willing to take that position was a white person. They were active in the organization. Uh, There was no restrictions of them being a member of the organization. And when it was time to elect a new president, got the vote, was the only really was the only person running and became the president of that organization. If no one will step up or if the first best person to step up happens not to be black, what are we to do? Three four seven eight two six nine six zero zero. You're listening to Our Own Voices Live with Angela Thomas and Rodney Smith. We come to you every Saturday at twelve thirty PM on the West Coast. And three thirty out east. Thank you and so this much week, for it. <laughs> this week we got we got uh, several hot topics. Boy, this has been quite the topic, at least in my life. Oh, <laughs> and, and it and it hasn't stopped. And we're going to move on to our uh, the other topic shortly. But this is a this is a fire burner here, and this opens up so many questions. You know, what we often hear sort of thrown back at us, and I'll say thrown back because I believe that's the way it's presented to us, is what happened to the day when I can be recognized for the content of my character and not the color of my skin? Is this at play here, and how do you respond to that? Hmm. And do would we want this in reverse? Uh, I, and what percentage of blackness do you have to have to be black? This reminds me of, is it how you look? Is it how you act? Is it how you speak? What determines your blackness? I hear on many sites, uh, especially my black nationalists, ridiculing black people, using phrases like Negro, K-N-E-E-G-R-O-W, as well as some other uh, more colorful terms to refer to them. Uh, Coon, many different things, because they do not speak as it is believed that they should speak. Oftentimes people who are black and who are Republicans or blacks who are conservatives they are told that they are not black enough, even though both parents are biologically black. That's what's on their birth certificate. 
so when we start delineating what determines blackness by how you talk or by what you what you do, to a certain extent, is the door being open for other mm-hmm. people to say that they're black because they are, you know, they're walking the walk and they're talking the talk. The only thing is their skin color is different. And then finally, there was a broadcaster, a commentator on MSNBC, on the uh, Chris, uh, oh, I, I don't remember the name of the show, and I think it's up with Chris, but he was he had a guest on the show, one black, obviously black female, and what appeared to be a white male. And the white male did a video, and it was talking about Black Lives, the Black Lives Matter movement and what's going on there. And he was doing it, and there was a certain lyrical tone to his voice. There was a certain body language that's normally associated with black people. And the black woman who was commentating, though she was nice about it, happened to mm-hmm. reference that to him that even he may be assuming a certain level of privilege by dipping into a culture and acting out a culture that he was not. And if you all could have, I got to find that clip, but if you all could see the expression, Chris Hayes, if you all could see the expression on Chris Hayes' face, because he knew the guy as this conversation was taking place. And the punchline is the guy was actually black. He just had very fair skin and what some people would call white features. But his actions were black, his mannerisms were black, but easily he could be mistaken, as he was on the show, for someone white. What makes up white or black? Is it the culture that you are not, or is it strictly who your parents were? Three four seven eight two six nine six zero zero. Please join us in this fascinating conversation. And as I see more of you on the on the board, thank you for joining us. Our topic today is the situation that happened in McKinney at the McKinney pool party. We talked a little bit earlier about Juneteenth and its history. We did recognize that this that June is Caribbean American Heritage Month. So big shout out is uh, we got Raggae in the Desert here in Las Vegas as representing the Caribbean Americans. And we also have a topic that we're currently on, and that is the white woman who is the president of a local NAACP chapter posing as a black woman. How do you feel about this? And and then let's throw that into the context that our United States government, via the Census Department, has said that, you can self-identify as whatever gender you say you are and by whatever race or ethnicity that you say that you are. Can we say that if this woman believes that is who she is, that she lies, if the government says it's okay to do so? Is it actually a lie then? 347-826-9600. Fascinating conversation. And so how do we address that? 
is when we in our own culture tell people who we know are both parents are black that they are not black because they do not speak a certain way, act a certain way, dress a certain way. Uh, I wouldn't say it based on those bases. Um, my children are definitely black and have been accused by their black peers a lot in in their life that they weren't black because they spoke a certain way. They weren't or their interests were not of the typical uh, African-American child. So I, I definitely know blackness is not that. So, I, you know, I don't think we do uh, or should deal with blackness in, in that terms. Well, maybe we should, Solely. but we do. And if we do... Uh, even the use of the N word that blacks say we don't want other people calling us that. But obviously we call ourselves that. And then people who associate with our culture, i.e. rap music, it's rampant in some rap song. But then we say other people can't. And rap music But it's has the context also and I'm you know, I don't wanna get into the the E R and the A debate, you know. Um, but that word has more to do with the context in which you use it. Uh, whether you're using it, whether you're saying it with the A ending or the E R ending, uh, it, it has everything to do with the context. If if you're calling me that in the original intent of that word, that's very different than what the context is when African Americans are using it peer to peer. I don't I don't get to decide for other people. I'm just saying I don't Well to some groups of African American the word is the word. It don't, you know, the word That's some group, and they're entitled the to their, used, their thought on the that. The word was used with an A from the very beginning. We uh, associate the E-R, but where I'm from, we were called the Negra. So Negra, Nigger, it, was still, it still had the same meaning. But here's the, here's the thing on this. If we can change the definition of a word, like the N word to something is that it is changing. I want to ask this though, Rodney: Is it changing the definition, or like many words in the English language, could one could could a word have many definitions? Well, depending on its context, I, depending on a lot of things, there are many words in our that. language that. Um, have different, completely different meanings, but it's the same word, so, spelled the same way, and everything. This is a, a word that's spelled two different ways, that mean two different things to several groups of people. I, I you know, I don't know how to debate that, because those if, people that I, feel I, the way they feel about N I G G A feel that way. The folks that feel that 
all the all of these incarnations of this word is wrong, they feel that way. And they're both right to feel have it. Right. Exactly. They all right for their for their position. Okay. So why can't this woman be right in feeling the way she wants to feel? She can feel that, this is my point with it. She can feel and this is just my point. She can feel however she wants to feel, but as I said at the top of this broadcast, two plus two is four, it will never be six. So you can uh, feel however you want, but the fact, that illustration is just to highlight the point that the fact remains you have two Caucasian parents and you are identified on your legal document as a Caucasian. But you can identify, obviously, via our government and many other things. You can identify all you want. It's the pro- the problem is when you begin to falsify and lie and perpetrate a fraud against the community, the larger community, where it becomes a problem. And that's what I think people are responding to with Rachel. There's the problem. The lies. We have about two more minutes before we have to move on to the next segment. I do want to go that when we talk about uh, lying about who she is, if the government says that it's okay to self-identify as whoever that you want to be, have you lied? And if you are elected to this office, was she elected to the office of the NAACP by virtue of a lie? Is it her actions? Was it a combination? I don't know that. But those people right. did elect her, and I'm not sure that they've uh, held some type of special election to remove her of her post. Uh, you said yourself that she has done the work. Uh, you know, we have some gentlemen, uh, well, a gentleman for sure, that associates with our group. And through his action, through his action, I have seen where he's been in a room full of black people, especially black millennials, his peers. And even though his parents are not black. He is the blackest person in the room through his knowledge of black history, culture, his commitment to the black community, his action in the black community. This is so fascinating because it just opens up so many different windows and it ties into so many different things in our community. But, you know, that I just want to add this one thing to that statement the individual that has been a part of the gathering has never once said, I'm black. Never once went into the world changing changing their opinion, I mean changing their appearance to be more in alignment with black people, never changed the texture of their hair, um, never presented that um, presented their themselves in that manner, and that's where the rub comes with Miss Rachel is that it's one thing to have all of these skills and expertise, but to take them and present them in a fashion and 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 say that you are this ethnic makeup mislead people, do things purposefully to your, with your appearance to look like you are 
this ethnic makeup is the issue. That's an issue. People, That's an issue of another black, color. Black people dye their hair. No pun intended. <laughs> black, pe- black people dye their hair that is not associated with our racial identity. Black we're not ever wear, saying that we're white because we dyed our hair black. Black people. I mean, blonde. But you uh, talk about, blonde or red. But you talk about, but you talk we, about changing appearances. Black people change no, their No, I'm talking about presenting yourself as a black person. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about changing appearance. As women, that's what we do. We play with makeup. We play with hair. We play with jewelry. We play with clothing. We play with a lot of tools. But we are never, most of us are never doing it in an effort to present ourselves as another ethnicity. We are doing it in an, in an effort, in an energy to amplify our own personal beauty. That is very different. Amplify our personal beauty into something that is outside of our cultural group or that's associated with something outside of our cultural group. How is it outside our cultural group when there's a billion-dollar industry built on our cultural group doing these things? And it goes all the way back to the to ancient Egyptian times. We do weaves because we invented weaves, wigs, lashes, makeup. We did this. We still do this. That's not outside our cultural identity. Beauty and enhancement of beauty um, is is not outside of our realm. That's we created it. Okay, well, there you have it, uh, a robust conversation on the woman in Washington, I believe it's Washington State, who is the president of the local NAACP chapter, whose parents are Caucasian, they're white people, and she has presented herself as a black person. Uh, this discussion and story, I'm sure, will continue on. I think it is a fascinating one. I think it is a great opportunity for us to look inward as as we look outward to make some maybe decisions in our own community what is acceptable and what isn't. And maybe it's a discussion to, that we can draw lines and have standards on to determine what is. Is it the individual? Is it the group? Just who is it that makes those types of uh, decisions? Well, the final topic that I wanted to get into today that uh, some people have said the issue with the woman in uh, Washington has detracted from this topic. And we did spend all of this extra time on on this topic today. And it made me think, wow, maybe what she said is true. And that is the story of the pool party in McKinney, Texas, where people, young people, teens, were invited to a community or to a pool that is within a gated community by residents of the community for a party. And the party was, and this wasn't the first time that these children or some of them had been invited, and even some of the parents were there. So it wasn't as if the children were totally unsupervised. But ultimately, 
this pool party turns into a video that for a moment just blanketed the web of a police officer running after a team, literally falling and rolling on the ground, very reminiscent of a scene in Mall Cop with Kevin James, and then <laughs> going right back to his feet and taking after these, these young people. And the reason why I bring the reference to Mall Cop was, is the reference that many people gave to it seemed like he was out of control. I watched it, and when I first saw the video, I actually thought it was satire. It took, I had to continue watching it before I realized, that, oh, no, this is what really happened. This is what this police officer actually did. And so a call was made by someone at the pool party that there were teams, people uninvited at this pool party. And the police responded, I believe it was 12. And there was one who responded in a different manner than all the rest. I believe his name was Clebo, Corporal Clebo. And he, I don't know if any of you have ever worked on a farm on a ranch and you know, when you go to uh, cut some horses out from the group or, you know, it's time to slaughter the hogs and you're trying to cut that one hog away from the rest that you wanted, it actually looked like that to me. And the person that took one of the videos that was popularized on the net, who happened to be white, said it was as if I, as a white person, was invisible and that they were only after the black people. But what got the most attention is the fact that this police officer, otherwise known as the rolling cop, went after specifically, I believe it's a 14-year-old teenager in a bikini, wrestled her to the ground several times, demanded that she shove her face into the ground, and then kneed her in the back as he continued to push her face on the ground. Was this a situation of prejudice? Was it a situation of race and how race impacts actions of others towards a different group? Which brings in Angela's uh, comment from the previous conversation that 88% of white people are deemed biased towards black people. And if you're biased towards something, it influences how you respond, how you act in association with that thing you have bias towards. I believe that this is a conversation that should get more attention and shouldn't fall out of the news as things often do. And so what are your thoughts on the police's response, especially the rolling cops, as well as to the people, adults, who were at the pool that wound up getting in a fight with one of the teenagers? Well, today a uh, news story came out that one of the there was a uh, organization in Dallas that took it upon themselves a civil rights organization there in Dallas to identify the folks in the initial brawl 
where the adults were fighting with the the young people. Uh, and the young lady has been uh, suspended from her job. She worked for a vendor of Bank of America and was over uh, over a uh, a lending branch uh, that you know that didn't. Her behavior was not becoming of an employee of the organization that she works for. So she's suspended from her job until, I guess, further notice and uh, an investigation can be completed. Um, what do I think of the cop? Clearly, um, when you're a, a police officer in a community and you arrive on a scene, you are in are expected to be in command of yourself, which will dictate command of you know and use your your skills and training to um, get command over the situation as an officer. This is a you know argument that branched out into a fight. He just didn't look like someone who was uh, in control of himself or the situation. So uh, I'm happy that he resigned. I think he should have resigned. Um, the behavior, the 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 enforcement that he was using on that young woman, that that young child, because she was she ain't grown. She's a, a minor. Was outrageous. It was outrageous. Um, she was no physical threat, and that's exactly what his superior said. That child was, you know, no physical threat to him. She was a verbal threat, but there, there, he's had plenty of training and experience to deal with a verbal threat. She, she did not do anything that warranted that type of response and enforcement. So, you know, I think what a great majority black, white, or Martian green uh, that saw that video think, I, I think it was certainly not anything that um, you want. That's not the type of person you want representing and, and wearing uh, the badge and carrying a weapon. When he pulled that weapon on those young men who were only responding to their young peer needing help, uh, trying to, you know, I, I don't condone hitting an officer, but I'm happy that the young man in the blue shirt, charges that were brought against him were have since been dropped. I think... Uh, it was actually reported that what the men did, or what the teenagers did who the officer pulled his gun on, had said to the teenage girl, we're, we're going to call your mom. We're going mm-hmm. to contact your mom. So those words are not threatening. Now, maybe their actions towards the cop, moving towards the police officer, in the heat of battle, so to speak, that was also initiated by the rolling cop, maybe that could have been seen threatening, but... What I got out of that particular instance there while a young lady was on the ground is those two boys 
acted how we would want our boys to act. How we train, how we say we want our young men to act. That's right. I agree. And that's what I was ramping up to. They behaved in the manner in which we hope all our young men um, would behave when they see a young woman. I don't care what nationality she is. Uh, is being assaulted by a man. They they did what we told them to do. Try to help. What also struck me about that is how close we came to another situation of two unarmed black males or an unarmed black male being shot by law enforcement. And I think we should, you know, say something about uh, that officer's co-workers that uh, snapped him back into reality. I, I think they should be commended because it was at the behest of his co-workers saying, man, what are you doing? You can literally see that in that video. Put your gun away. Uh, the other takeaway from that is this particular officer, Corporal Clevo, is one of he was the supervisor on scene, so they're following his orders and direction, even though he seemed to be the only one acting in the manner in which he did. They're the ones who, as you mentioned, had him reholster or at least put down his gun and later reholster his gun, but then he immediately ordered them to chase the two young, the two teens, like male teens, as he continued to wrestle the teenage bathing suit clad uh, teenage girl to the ground with his knee in her and then subsequently put his knee in her back. But he is also a trainer. He is the one that trains other officers on how they are to Oh, how to respond. Wow. That I did not know. I did not know that he he was also a trainer, a, 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 you know, a super triple star leader in his, in his, uh, Profession. Wow. Now, he did state, or his lawyer stated, that he had been involved in a traumatic incident. Uh, I believe it was either the calls before that one or a couple of calls just before that one, and may have been impaired somehow. And that Hi. is another issue that uh, has to be addressed, as so many of our police officers are mm-hmm. In situations very similar to what the military deals with in battle, now, should he have been on duty if that was the case? Should he have somehow moved himself, and was it possible? Do we need to look deeper in how the police is structured and how it deals with situations when people have to deal with these traumatic events? So, as an example, after that incident that happened there, was he even given immediate death time just because he was in a highly charged incident? I think those are issues to deal with. We actually have a, a caller standing by, and I'm going to bring them on on the call to share with us what their thoughts are. If you could uh, turn down any background noise, we'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, welcome to the show. You're on our own boy. Hello. Uh, uh, what's your hey. comment you'd like to share with us? Well, this is uh, Thomas Berry calling in. How y'all doing? Welcome, Brother Barry. I'm doing all right. You know, my thing is, I'll say this and I'll try to keep it short. 
white supremacy is the ideology of irresponsibility. And this white man, uh, this cop, you know, he needs to be responsible for his actions. And I know they've given a long story about what he's dealt with earlier in the day, but he's still responsible for his own actions. And every time we have these situations where they commit something afoul, the first thing that we have to take into consideration is their mental makeup. Uh, when black uh, unarmed men or black armed men, or remember the sister who was shot at and killed at, out in D.C. with the baby in the back seat, no one took into consideration her mental makeup. They thought that the White House or Congress was in, in danger and they uh, shot her up, even though that everybody knew that she was suffering mentally. So with that being said, I just look at that situation in McKinney on two fronts. I think that black people, we have to be a little bit more um, guided on how we have our children mingle with other children. I understand that, you know, it's a, it's a different world, but you have to take a look at the fact that the neighbors did not want those young folks in that area. That was a major part. That was a major problem. Uh, we have to have our we have to teach our children to be more diligent. Some of those old teachings, those things still need to be around. We need to have our babies think twice about attending some of these parties. Uh, the second thing I would say is, you know, um, when you look at not only that cop but also the teacher who made her statements about uh, the black people was at fault in McKinney and uh, in Texas that black folks are doing this, that, and the third, and she wants more segregation. We have to look at that, man. A lot of white folks are all of a sudden able. I, I wouldn't say that racism has gone away, but a lot of comments and a lot of opinions that would normally uh, be hidden are now coming to light. Uh, we should be thankful for the honesty, but we should definitely be more diligent uh, when dealing with anyone, uh, even including our own people. We need to find out exactly how people are feeling, how people are thinking, and we need to deal with those people accordingly. Uh, maybe this stuff will bring more unity amongst us, which that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that we can unify and rally amongst each other versus, uh, you know, widening those divisions or giving white folks escape routes for their behavior. They need to own it. You know, it's like we have to own the pimps and pushers in our communities. They need to have, they have to own their racist cops. Uh, we, we don't get to get an escape from that, so they shouldn't be able to get an escape from um, the, the racist cops. That, those are my statements on that. Is this a, I mean, we know that there's cameras everywhere nowadays. There's, you know, social media proliferating. Being originally from the South, I don't see things, and if somebody could turn their, their TV or background noise down, I'd appreciate it. I don't see where things have changed as far as pedestal. There's no difference in how people feel about us today than, than years ago. Uh, maybe the biggest difference is that it's being recorded. So, but the lady did get fired. Uh, the principal. I well, no, she in hasn't Florida. been fired. She has been suspended. Excuse, excuse me. No, not the. Uh, I'm oh, sorry, okay. not the lady in the fight, but this was a, uh, I guess what I'm leading to is, is there some progress because of all of this? I'm not saying it's the end, but is there movement? Because before, people could say whatever they wanted to say, and there was no type of retribution. They just said it, and that was it. But now we're actually starting to see people, as Angela say, get suspended, and in some places get fired from their position 
for voicing some of these opinions. Now, I would also caveat and say that just because a person is suspended or fired for voicing their opinion does not mean that their opinion has changed. It, it right. takes us back to where maybe we were, where after the civil rights movement, people still had the same feelings and beliefs. They just sort of went into their private clubs and shared it amongst themselves. And, it, of course, in more recent times, England, since President Obama has been in office, that we're seeing a search of these types of uh, words, uh, comments, and referencing to how they truly feel. So, but is this a sign of progress that is coming to place that is bringing about suspension and some case fire? Mm. Uh, you know what, brother? I would say this. You know, I think the suspensions and the firings are, are I always look at those as business moves. You know, he quit, but I guarantee you he quit the fourth. But as we've seen with uh, the situation with Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman, George Zimmerman was able to raise a, a six-figure uh, profit for his defense. Uh, we see this with a lot of these other cases where these white cops or, you know, these white perpetrators of these uh, murders are able to raise funds. And, and, and they're not actively campaigning for themselves. People are pretty much uh, putting out a big hat <laughs> and, and collecting the funds for them on these websites uh, to save them. So th- this cop, in my opinion, McKinney, you know, even though he quit, I'm pretty sure that he will be able to make a large amount of money based off of this uh, this situation and, and his act with his sister. So I, I, I agree, Rodney. People have not changed too much of their feelings. What I think that has changed uh, is our mentality. I think we've let down our guard. I, 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 I say that, you know, um, and I don't know if you guys touched on the topic in, in Spokane yet. But yeah, I, I, I think that was the bulk of the show. But, yeah, what, go ahead. Well, that lady there. That lady there, she touched on in my she 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 pointed out a major breach in us as a people. See, with the the ugly stuff that we don't like to discuss, she mm-hmm. she she exploited that. She exploited that we don't want to talk about colorism. See, she exploited that. She she exploited the fact that she was rushed to the front of the line because she was light skinned, and how we've been getting on our people for questioning certain people on how they speak. So see, she was able to sound white, talk white. When people say you talk white, it's not because you're speaking proper English. It's just different ways of how you sound when you talk. We know plenty of orators like Cornell West. He speaks proper English, right? But we know that okay. brother can talk to he he can talk to get down talk if he needs to talk to get down talk. He knows where to talk, when and how. Now, when people get on you, it's like, but hold on, you know, you ain't around white people. You can you can go ahead, brother. Let your hair, you know, take off the cap. You know, sister, let your hair down. You can go ahead and be you. There, there's okay. certain things, and she she was able to hide because of her what well, we. Perceived as her complexion Not to mention she had a black husband Who allowed her to hide that And I just found out I, that her I spoke adopted. to that too That she had a lot of cons- co-conspirators oh, To me yes, That before yes. we start uh, saying the government Maybe should look at some stuff There are a lot of co-conspirators In her circle yes. That helped her yes. Do this And sister did you know that the two adopted brothers that she's in the legal battle with, with her parents over, they actually mm-hmm. have spoken out against her. And one of the brothers said what she did, what she did is pretty much modern-day blackface, and they told her that she was going to get in trouble, and they didn't want to bust her out because it was her, their adopted sister. 
but they was telling her behind the scenes that what she was doing was wrong. She also brought a fake father to one of the to one of the NAACP events to say that he was her father, and she got paid to speak at that event. Not yeah. to mention, I didn't know she got paid, but I did hear that you know the brother she was saying was her father. Oh yeah, she 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 got paid, and then the husband with the picture with her and her two white parents. So that's indicative of how. And this goes back to slavery and be before slavery. It's always been those amongst us who've allowed white folks to operate in deceit to the rest of us. And I'm not saying that she couldn't have been a president of the NAACP if she said she was white. That wouldn't have hurt her amongst us whatsoever. We would have said what we say about a lot of white folks, what we would say about Tim Wise. Hey, Tim Wise is a white boy, but you know what? He knows exactly what he's talking about. He's down for the call. She would have just been a white girl who was down for the cause. No, she's not black, but she's down for the cause of the, the fight against the plot against racism and white supremacy. Black people welcome all folks who are for that, whether you white, whether you're black, whether you're yellow. We all welcome those people. Minister Farrakhan just met with uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. Oh, no, no, is it Robert Kennedy Jr.? Um, not, no, mm-hmm. it's JFK, son, if I'm not mistaken. But I- I- anywho. He uh he just met with him at his house. So you see all of these across the board, you see all these people who are working with each other for self-interest. You don't have to play your race. But when people are exploiting our weaknesses, they're doing it out of deceit. Uh, she she did that out of deceit. Now, Angela, you've been black your whole entire life, right? <laughs> you've been black your whole entire life. I've been black my yep. whole entire life. I, I never lived during a time when they was calling us Negroes. So I don't know nothing about that. But I've been black my whole entire life. I know that's one thing that I have, and I could I, nobody can come to me and shake that from and me. And tell you what black. that experience is about, and only another black person can come to you and say, and and have a shared similar experience, and you guys know what that is to be right. a, to be black male. I know what it is to be a black woman in America, and I don't. I I said all through that topic. Two plus two is four. It will never be six. You can That's feel right. six. Four can feel six all day long, but he's still four. And that. So, so let's go for a moment on the lady who uh, in question, and, I, and we'd already covered this, so we'll spend a, another quick moment on it, but she also claimed that her that one of her adopted brothers was actually her son, her uh, which son, obviously yeah. is, is not true. But you know, Angela, I know you said you didn't want to talk about it, but I believe this is germane to this conversation, is that the United States government in the 2010 census says that people can self-identify as whoever they feel that they are, whether they're biracial, multicultural, whether they're, they can be black and say that they're white, they can be white and say that they're black, they can be Asian and say that they're any of the other two. It didn't make a difference. So when we say that she lied. Really, did she lie or did she just take it, well, maybe, or did she utilize a structure that our government has normalized? No, she lied. She lied. She lied, and, and, and this is how you know she lied. She spoke out against Tim Wise coming to the college campus 
saying that he shouldn't be able to speak on black issues because he is a white man talking about black issues. We would rather have a black. We would rather have black people doing that. But at the same time, she spoke on black issues. So She's she, a white she woman openly, sitting there in black identity, <laughs> feeling black, blackface. calling the pot. That's the pot calling the kettle black, isn't it? Yeah. And there are many right, instances of this young lady doing things like that. Now, I think that's. That's very different, Rodney, than, um, and, you know, I said earlier in the broadcast, this, the, the federal government and the census is a great point. And maybe it does feed into just as 20-plus uh, years of hip-hop being sold to white suburbia is probably feeding into this type of manifestation of a white, of a white person feeling like they are black. But the operative word there is feeling. Feeling is not fact. Feeling is, is not fact. That's right. To the Census Department and the United States government, you can self-identify whatever gender you are. You can self-identify with whatever racial group you are. And I don't want to really split hairs too much on this, but it is what the government says that you can do. And here's a difference. Tim Wise that I never – let, let me finish this one point, brother. Tim okay. Wise that I know of has not claimed to be black. He has identified as white with a man who may delve into things associated with him. This woman has said that, not that I'm endorsing it one way or the other, but I think that we're at a crossroads here when it comes to identity. Can we, according to the United States government, identify with whomever we feel that we are or not? And if the answer is yes, did in fact did she lie? Well, here's the thing, I, and and you can you can you can spin it, and and, and she's able to spin it either any which way she wants to. She lied about if she was telling the truth, she wouldn't have lied about who her parents were. That's the first thing. The second thing is the situation with Tim Wise shows that she was being deceitful altogether. The third thing I would say is when you go start talking about, and, and once again, I'm not a woman, so here's Angela. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely I'll refer to you on this. When you start talking to black women about black woman hair issues, ah, and you start talking as if you've had these issues, you are purposely being deceitful to black women, especially if they're writing you a check, to talk about that. So to me, you know, Sister Angela, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> It, it reminds me of that old saying, you know, the, the little white dog that went to the black cat school. You know, she might have meowed, right? She might have climbed from trees, right? But in the end, she's still a dog. <laughs> so let's That's address all I'm this saying. thing about, let's address this thing about, uh, because one of the other comments that I've read on social media is the content of character versus color of skin. And are we trying to move towards that or not? And oh, my God. Moment, Here's what I say to this. This is well, Angela, one. Before you, go, before you go to that, okay. how does this, how, because I, I, I did want to spend some time on the situation in McKinney. Is there any relationship to how this woman is treated compared to how those children were treated at the pool party in the kitchen. Absolutely. Oh, it's a major difference. Major difference. Major, 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 major difference. In the situation in McKinley, I, I will give the cops. 
I'll give the cop this problem. He wasn't hiding who he was. He was a police officer. He never he never was in the plain clothes and, and, and saying that he was something that he wasn't, and neither did those children. This woman here, she was deceitful the whole way around. And, and, and I would say nobody's treating her. I don't believe people are treating her foul because at the end of the day, she was the one who, like anyone who's caught in a lie, when you get caught up in a lie and you get busted out, there's going to be certain ways people are going to address you after that fact. And she has to deal with the aftermath of her deceit. Now, here's what she still has going for her. She still has going for her that she is married to this brother. She still has going for her her white privilege. She hasn't been harmed physically. There has been nothing mentally done to her on the behalf, you know, because of other people. Now, this is what she has done while she was in blackface. She's made 12 bogus claims about racial uh, things that has happened to her. Even uh, one sister, I think her name is Maureen Smith in Spokane, one of the sisters who are a part of the NAACP who raised the questions about her blackness a, a long time ago. She lied and said that sister was with her during the event. The sister didn't recall, but the police still contacted her. And everything possible to me, she did a lot of stuff that white women do. She falsified a police report. <laughs> she made bogus claims. So it pointed out that she was white. Now, let me say this. When we fight with each other so much over silly things, and we say, well, that don't mean you black because you can cook. That don't mean you black because you can dance. That don't mean you black because you got big hips. You, you, you got a big nose. You got big lips. Uh, that don't mean you black because you know the lingo, the slang, and you watch the movies, or you know the music. That or you know you the music. Black. Right, right. But what she did was she said, well, you know what? I can get this spray tan. I can get a couple of hairstyles. She probably rolled her neck when she talked. She probably gave her duck lips to make her lips seem bigger. She probably walked with a bus sticking out. I mean, I saw at the fashion show, Rodney, with the African braids in, in, in the bikini on, she looked pink as all get out, brother. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how these people in Spokane allowed that to go. But the only thing I will say is it's a large portion of us, Brother Rodney and Sister Angela, that do not want to be black. And they are willing to accept this woman and what she's done and what she'll continue to keep doing if she she's able to trick somebody somewhere else. She'll, we, we don't mind this stuff because this is not something that a lot of us want to claim. A lot of us don't want to be black. We want to be everything else except black. And it's been that way since uh, for a very long time. It's just a sickness that we have to own up to. So, Brother Barry, as you're on the wanting to be black, what should we do about the government? Our government that we're a part of that says that you can be whoever you can legally be whoever you want to be mm. because and the reason why I keep bringing that up is because mm. we say that she lied about being black, but if the mm-hmm. government says that you can be who you want to be and she did what the government said did in fact she lie. Well, Rodney, doesn't the Constitution give you a right of freedom of speech? You can say whatever you want to say? Within limits. Okay. So if you're Don Imus and you say something crazy on the radio and you lose your you lose your radio show, I mean, I ain't going to go blame the government because he lost his radio show. There's always, it's always a side effect for whatever it is you do. Yes, the government told her that she can say she is whoever she is, but when you start lying and saying that your adopted brother is your son by birth, then you're 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 really falsifying things. When you start bringing in black men saying that that's your birth father, 
and you're definitely trying to deceive people. So she went through some elaborate, elaborate stuff to deceive. I can't blame the federal government for that. The federal government is not the university uh, that she worked at that was looking to hire an African-American woman for the position. She says she was an African-American woman. She says she has those experiences. She came up with that story, not the federal government. I can't blame the federal government for this. And, you know, I like to talk about the federal government and the things that they do. The federal government and the census, that's just ways to keep count so they can appropriate the funding. This has nothing to do with the, the appropriation of the funding. If she want to say she's black to get one more uh, black dollar in Spokane in a predominant white spot, so be it. But I will say this. I will say this. We got so many people, and I know Spokane is the population set up is sort of a lot like Minneapolis, but we have a lot of so-called biracial black folks. She picked the perfect place to fit in and blend in with that story. She couldn't have done that on the south side of Chicago. Somebody would have said, hold on, you look, you look <laughs> German to me. Hold baby. No, <laughs> she, she couldn't German have did that. Me. You know, yeah. <laughs> she looked she look like a north sider, right? Oh, <laughs> Wrong no, side for sure. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm just, absolutely. I'm saying, Roddy, you can't blame the federal government for that because the federal government's intent is on a census is for the sake of, pop, you know, knowing its population. What she did, she was purposely trying to deceive people for, from, in my opinion, for a professional gain because she, she grew professionally. This thing inside of the NAACP wasn't the only thing. She had a tenure at a college. So she, she gained a lot of ways in positions where uh, a black woman could actually got those positions. And I would love to know who was the black woman who ran against her for president of the NAACP and how does she feel about that. And then uh, what, one, more, one more note on that is that there was a plethora of people in the NAACP in Spokane who was black who did not believe her story about her being black. A lot of them said she did a lot of stuff that they thought was fishy, and they they raised questions to leadership for quite some time, and the leadership of the NAACP in Spokane overrode its members. So that says a lot there. But they still voted her to be president of that particular branch. And that well, particular you know branch also over fifty percent of its membership is uh white or non black. So There you go. Yeah, so we you know how these things NBC. go being involved in our own local uh NAACP chapters and our own local democratic parties. You know. We yeah, there you go. it's plausible. Yeah, Angela, you're hitting it. You know, Angela, you hit it right there, and, and and that's something else. And here's something else, Ronnie, nobody's asking on, on online or anywhere else. What I, my question is about it all is who does she work for? When somebody infiltrates you like that, that's the question. We need to – and I'm saying that she does actually work for somebody. I don't know whether she does or she doesn't. But it begs but the question. Is, You're right. Yeah, we, we, we need to question. ask the question. Maybe she is. Okay. Who does she work for? What was her purpose of doing what she was doing? And we need to grill that extensively. We better not take her first answer. We might not even want to take her third answer. We might want to look for the seventh or eighth answer to get the truth. But we need to know exactly who's behind this because something tells me, man, she was that fly on the wall in in, in, in black conversation. And uh, <laughs> I, I almost wonder, you know, how many brothers and sisters who had great intentions that really wanted to help the people out in Spokane might have took some serious um Burden uh, financially and professionally because of some of the things that she went back and reported to her white peers. So that, she learned more than just where the black beauty supply was, for sure. Yeah, 
Hey, Angela, how many brothers do you think slept with her thought she was Creole? Hmm. How many? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, hmm. you know, this, this, is a, this is a fascinating conversation because it delves into so many different lanes. It delves into yeah, yeah. the role that we play as a society. Uh, who determines who we are? Do we determine it? Or do outsiders determine it? And who determines who can be a part of who we are? Uh, some people say that during slavery, all it took was one drop of blood, of black blood to be a slave. Today, I don't know if one drop of black blood makes you black. How many drops? What percentage? We know that uh, Caucasian Americans have up to 20% of black blood in them, African blood. But they're, they identify as Caucasian. But are they really black? And we know that some black people have less than 30% and even less than that of black blood in them. Are they black or are they something else? Uh, when well, the I'll, government I'll say this, Okay. You know, Rodney, I'll say this though. You know, race we know race is a social construct, right? But we know racism is right. real. And and dealing mm-hmm. on the, the reality of what racism is, outside of that social construct, it you know, the the one drop rule to me doesn't mean the inferiority. That just shows the, the, the how dominant the, the black gene is. And I would say uh a lot of games have been played with the senses. Some of them have been happening internalized by us. Because of our self-hatred for one another Some of us want to be known as biracial Some of us want to be known for these things But you can attest to this Sister you can attest to this also We fought to be called black That's something that we fought for And when you fight for something And you, you actually win that fight to label yourself It's almost, it's, it's almost uh, Belittling to have To uh, have this dispute Debated when after we've already Fought for the right for us to be called black Already that's, that, that was something that our, that our people fought for. We didn't want to be called colored. We didn't want to be called Negro. So we, we, we fought to be to call ourselves black. The government don't own that. We fought for that. They didn't give us that. That's something we fought for. We culturally changed that, and we called ourselves black. I know brothers and sisters from the continent don't want to hear that. I know some brothers and sisters from the islands don't want to hear that. But you know what? In the United States, the one thing about the African American that is true, we fought to be called black. You ain't got to like it. They ain't got to like it. They ain't got to love it. But we fought for that. And, hey, since it's our home turf, this USA here, we get to call the shots on that. And we don't have to get it up to nobody else. Because once you come here, now you can say, hey, I'm from Barbados. I don't want to be called black. That's fine. You out of the loop. Find, find that on the census for yourself. But we like to call ourselves black. And I think if we educate each other on that a little bit more, and we talk about the beauty of blackness. Uh, that's one of the things that we talked about on the Brothers Bill, Rodney, is we, we, our first show, we talked about the beauty of blackness and how beautiful it is to be black and how beautiful it is uh, to have the black woman and the black male and the black family in our relationships and our struggle and how we still, we still made it through a lot of storms. That's beautiful. If people don't want to be a part of that, that's fine. That's their choice. But that census doesn't dictate that to us. That's something that, in my opinion, and Angela, you, you know, I would love to hear your opinion on it uh, since I missed that early part. I, I just think that, you know, when we start doing that, that we, we're kind of like outsmarting ourselves when we start playing these games uh, with, with some of these debates. What's my opinion on 
the self-identification during with the census? Oh, well, just self-identification, period, minus the census. You know, how do you feel? Okay, self-identification, period. You, in this country, we have uh, freedom. Of, we have all sorts of freedoms, freedoms of speech, religion, a lot of freedom. We can do whatever we want to do is what it all boils down to. In that regard, I don't have a problem. But I have a problem when your freedom, the freedom of you to feel however you feel, infringes and in a lot of cases locks out hard fought for and earned opportunities by deserving people who qualify via the fact that they are of this group. Not their academics, not their experience, but the fact that these dollars or these positions are designated for these people, black Mm. people, and you are being beat out again by Mm. a gaming-ass white person. I'm going to just be real with it. I'm upset about that. And I think that's what a lot of people, that's why the Rachel situation rubs a lot of people because it's, once again highlights that we are prey and we are being preyed upon. And now we're being preyed upon in the sense that we have to sit back and question whether two plus two is four. Because somebody, one person feels that it's six, six and she should be able to identify as six. You can identify and feel how you want, but the fact of the matter is every legal document in place that identifies you and beyond legal documents, celestial, from the spirit, your two white parents created you. You are white. And, you know, I I, I don't know no other way to feel about this except violated and wrong. Bamboozled, and mm. why are we questioning it? It further mm, insults. It further insults our intellect for us to sit and question it. This lady is clearly on every level wronging a community of people. And if this was someone else doing this, if this was an Asian woman doing this to white people, per se, let's say. Mm. Everybody in the world would say, girl, stop, you Asian. But because this is a white person doing this to black people, it is now questions from the rooty to the tootie. I am now being questioned because I wear weave. I am now being questioned because I wear makeup. I am now being questioned because I was born black, I have lived black, I have never had another ethnic experience but black. But now I got to prove, because this one white woman has stood up and said, I am you. I now have to prove me crazy. That is insanity. That's how I feel about it, Thomas. Mm. Mm. As you were saying that, I was thinking about the the situation where we have people who are able to self-identify their gender. And there was a conversation, and again, that's something else you could do in this country. And once you self-identify to that particular gender, you can do whatever you want to do with that gender. 
You can dress that way. You can be called that way. The pronouns are adjusted for that. So You can now even go that, to my bathroom or your bathroom, well, that's whatever. That, that's that they're, they're still working on. And I was there was a post where someone says, so now if I date a woman, I need to ask for her ID, her birth certificate, the pictures of her as a child, find out if she has truth and, and if she was a doctor, to determine whether that person was a woman or a female at birth. So we do know that self-identification is, you said, deal with reality? Well, the reality is that self-ID in America is alive and well, and I don't think that this will be the first or the last time or the last. that this situation will come up because there has been a precedent set. And for those people who in the past have asked the question of what does what does it matter if one group is good, how does it impact me? I will submit that this is a classic case that demonstrates how we can have direct implications on us or on others. None of this stuff happens in a vacuum, and everything is all interrelated. And if it is good for one group, then it has to be good for the other group. And this is something that I believe that we have to look into as, because we have some of the roles to that particular situation as well. Matter of fact, we have become the face and the leaders of that. So we are, even though in, we said emphatically here that 2 plus 2 is 4, well, we also know that in our government that 2 plus 2 does not always equal 4 when it comes to self-IDing oneself in the eyes of the government. Brother Barry, I want to thank you for calling in and sharing. Right. Uh, this has been a robust discussion. I think it's a very interesting discussion that hits on a whole bunch of areas and some areas that's actually on our home base. But when I say areas that's been on our home base, I'm saying areas that we have actually helped bring into fruition. And we need to look at ourselves to determine what is our standard. Where are we in a lot of these things? Because there's other things that branches off from each decision that we make. And then there's a branch to that, and it just keeps on growing. So if we just own, it'll only grow bigger. We might need to get to the root of this, and oftentimes the root is in decisions that we've made. Our show topic today was uh, I introduced folks that June is Caribbean. American Heritage Month, and we talked a little bit about the original people, the Caribbean people, and that the Caribbean also comprises Puerto Rico, and that Puerto Rico was settled by Caribbean people. Uh, we also talked about Juneteenth, and was getting ready to go down to Austin, Texas, and have celebrations. This coming Friday is Juneteenth, June 19th. Hopefully, you all will. Click on the link or do some research yourself on what Juneteenth is, how it came to be, and why it's an important celebration that, as Brother Barry says, that we as a group of people should embrace and expand. And we talked about having a back to it. 
was the situation with the woman in, I believe, it's Spokane, Washington, who's the president of the local NAACP grant, whose two parents are white Americans, but who claims to be black herself. The impact and implications of people who do those things, as well as how what has led to doing that. We looked at all three and we looked at our own government standpoint on it. And of course, we talked not nearly enough about the issue in McKinney, Texas, where young people have been invited to a pool party in a mixed community by people from that community, but the people made racial slurs about those people and go back to their Section 8 housing and worse than that. And then the police were called and how even the cameraman who was white said that isn't it obvious what was going on? It was like I was invisible, but I was at the party too, and they only went after the black people. And then one specific officer, Corporal Flebo, who was actually the supervisor on duty, some people know him as the rolling cop, who rolled onto the scene, so to speak, and then attacked, a, I believe it's a 14-year-old bikini-clad teenage girl because supposedly she mouthed off wrestled her to the ground, forced and commanded she bury her face into the ground, and then put his adult male frame by his knee in her back to keep her pinned down to the ground, and unholstered his gun when two teenage black boys came to her aid and also came to tell her that they would notify her parents of what was going on. The thought of how close we came to another unarmed black man or black youth being shot at the hands of a police officer was very close. I think this is that particular topic is something we need to delve into further and more extensively. Uh, Brother Barry, I know you have the Brothers Bill and you mentioned it. Can you briefly tell folks what that is and how they can uh, gain access to it? Yeah, Brothers Build is a uh, partnership with Rent Radio and uh, SPNN uh, cable network here inside of the Twin Cities. Uh, what we're doing is we're uh, taking show topics that we normally would have on Rent Radio, having uh, some brothers come in and we sit around the table and we discuss them live on television. People can uh, chime in um, via Internet, so you can always uh, message board and we'll answer your questions on the show. We'll also have a few shows where people will be in the audience where we'll be taking some questions. We're actually uh, talking about putting it on location. So it's something that um, we think that's important because we feel like uh, far too many times in important discussions in this country, black men are left off and they're not, their, their opinions are not. And when I say black men, I don't want to uh, say that no, I don't want people to think that no brothers have an opinion uh, or are unable to talk, but we're talking about the average everyday black man. Uh, those people aren't able to discuss things. So we have a great panel of brothers. Our first show was with myself, Brother Adrian uh, Mack, and Brother Olu. And uh, we had a great topic. We talked about, uh, you know, the beauty of blackness and black fatherhood and brotherhood. Our next uh, show topic, we'll be talking about uh, a few things. You know, the situation inside of, uh, Spokane will be one of the things that we talk about The McKinney situation, we want to talk about that But I'll be real with you uh, th- That is the everyday theme That's going on in black America 
far too often in this country. And, you know, we'll be talking about that probably every episode because, Brother Rodney, as you know, um, starting at the beginning with Rand Radio, you know, we were talking about this when it happened with Brother Trayvon Martin. So, you know, these things, man, it, it seems like they're, they're never dying. The police um, doing what they're doing is, is never going to stop. But it is a great interaction, uh, something that we're trying to get Brother Rodney and a few other brothers in Vegas, some brothers in Atlanta, some brothers in Chicago to do. So we can start uh, birthing these conversations uh, so we, as black men, we can show that we are intellectual as well. You don't have to have a Harvard degree or any uh, type of college degree to uh, take part in these discussions. All you have to do is have compassion for our people or have an opinion, and we'll sit down and talk. And, and now let me say this. It's all opinion talk, uh, just like Bill O'Reilly, uh, just like uh, Chris Matthews or what have you. None of that stuff is facts. It's all opinion. But black men have opinion too, and I'm just a um, – Appreciative to uh, Sister Bianca Rhodes uh, that she uh, gave us the opportunity to partner up there. All right. Well, there you have All it. Right. And next week, uh, I hope everyone will take the time to research Juneteenth is June 19th. Know your history and then pass on what you know. Also, remember, June is Caribbean America's Heritage Month. It also gives us a great opportunity to research and reflect what are Caribbeans, where is the Caribbean, uh, what is its history, how does it play into the overall African diaspora, especially at a time when we have Cuba about to come online as a recognized country of the United States. What opportunities are there literally right off of our shores? Well, that pretty much does it for a much extended episode of Our Own Voices Live. Uh, we come to you every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. 3.30 at East. Uh, Angela, go ahead and close us out. Well, I just wanted to encourage everybody to, you know, pay attention and have a great week. Do something fun for Juneteenth. I'm going to Austin, Texas, capital of, of, of Texas, and uh, I'll be celebrating Juneteenth right there at the at the at, at the capital. So, you know, let's just have a good week. All right. Well, that does it. Uh, everyone be safe out there and look forward to hearing and also presenting something to you next week. Brother Barry, look forward to hearing how the Brothers Bill go, and we are actually working on our version out here in Las Vegas. Look forward to seeing what the other folks are doing. Don't forget, folks, we have Brother Lee Bond with Real Radio that comes to you every Saturday at 11 o'clock on the west on the East Coast, 8 o'clock for those of us back on the West Coast. We have Brother Barry with Rant Radio that comes on. on. Will Brother Barry give me information about your show? I think we lost him. Uh, Angela, you have uh, your show. Neil on the record. Neil on the record every Thursday, 6.30 p.m. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for the growth. All right, everyone. Have a good week. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.